Welcome to another episode of our Transformers podcast. This is your host, Sean and Charlie. And Thomas. And you're listening to Sparkcast. Sparkcast. So before we begin, though, I wanted to say, so I actually got to see Cybertronic Spree in concert, and that was really fun. If you don't know who they are, they dress up as characters from they always, they dress up as characters from Transformers. The two vocalists are dressed up as RC and Rodimus Prime, and the people on guitar are Unicron and uh, the, the the faces guy. One with the lots of faces. God, I just forgot his name as I oh, was about to say season, it. I have not seen. God, they control the Shockticons in the movie. They got the many faces that spin around like they have multiple personalities. Headmaster. No, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good guess. Like, Quintessons. That's who, that's who it is. And on drums is Shockwave. But they also had a guy dressed as Soundwave that was on the stage jumping around a lot to energize the crowd and dancing oh, and doing stuff. Right, that's right. It was pretty fun. Like they start out with playing the the movie theme, the Transformers theme from the movie, and then they go on to play some other stuff. I have not played Hades, but they played the instrumental theme from Hades, and they sang, cool. like, Hearts Barracuda and um, that Valhalla song from the 70s, who I can't think of the artist right now, and two songs from the soundtrack of Transformers also, and a few it's... others. One thing was funny, they, they played Doom, the Doom uh, music mm-hmm. with their guitars, while they sang the Power Rangers theme. I think they had edited the Doom theme in such a way so that, that it, it was simil- that it was similar to the theme song of Power Rangers, which was really funny. But yeah, it was really fun. I was right there at the front and got to watch them at, uh, at MAGFest this year, MAGFest 2023. Did Soundwave bust out some Lenny Kravitz stuff going on? No, he he would usually dance, throw balloons into the crowd, or um, uh, spin some light things. uh, How were the actual costumes? What's that? How was how was the quality of the costumes? Yeah, the costumes are really good. The vocalist who dresses RC and does her voice is really good at singing. At singing a lot of those, like she was really good at singing that hard song. Barracuda. And yeah, and a few other things. I was like, she had, she's really good at doing, at, from what I saw, a lot of the uh, the '80s like rock star people. She could probably sing any Pat Benatar song really well. <laughs> All right, so you're telling me the next time I go and I see them, she's going to be singing uh, a bunch of songs from Pris's album. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh... Bubblegum Crisis joke for you guys. Yes, that no one else will get because no <laughs> one cares about Bubblegum Crisis except me. Yeah, so today we have the last United Kingdom audio cassette story out of four. We have previously listened to The Terror of Mount Sheila, Bumblebee to the rescue, and Menace. At the dam. And our final UK audio story, no book, if this was a cassette story only, is called Espionage! Five exclamation marks. 
why is it the last one? Did the did the guy who did all the voices expire? No, it's just they made four. <laughs> they made four in the Europe only that I don't think we got in America. They so, realized what they were doing was frivolous and fruitile. futile. <laughs> well, remember, it's just the one guy who voices all the characters. I think. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. if that's if that's. Yeah, I think he did too. all of them. <laughs> okay, I so, think four is a reasonable set of um, episodes. Mm-hmm. For- what they were uh, weird but okay <laughs> so anyway let's begin with the story i'll be pausing it every five minutes so that we can make some comments or need to catch up to process what is happening The Decepticons were angry, very angry indeed. On three occasions over the past weeks, they had been made to look foolish by their enemies, the Autobots. First, there had been the business of the volcano. Then the ridiculous situation when they had to release the Earth slaves because of Bumblebee's courage. And finally, the last straw, their utter defeat and indignity at the Stanley Lake Dam. Megatron, their leader, was not only angry, he was worried too. His motto, peace through tyranny, was not proving to function. He knew that some of the Decepticons were grumbling behind his back at his leadership. He knew too that Starscream was as anxious as ever to replace him as leader, and was quietly stirring up trouble among the Decepticon ranks. He also knew that he had to take some positive action to restore his place firmly and squarely as leader again. He held a top-level meeting of some of his commanders and warriors. Starscream, the sneaky Skywarp, Laserbeak, the vicious Ravage, still smoldering from his defeat at the dam, Soundwave and Rumble, always loyal to his leader and anxious to please him. Megatron spoke quietly and firmly. Fellow Decepticons, I have decided that the time has come to strike at our arch-enemies, the Autobots. The time is at hand to put a finish to their interfering actions against us. We shall destroy them, and then conquer these feeble, backward Earth people, take what we can of their resources, and return to Cybertron, all conquering. Rumble called. Well said, O great Megatron. The others muttered that they all agreed, and it was not before time that firm action was to be taken. Megatron continued. We have to face up to the fact, whether we like it or not, but the Autobots are expert fighters, and not the easiest of adversaries. Silence greeted this, but the very silence intimated that they agreed with his statement. So, Megatron went on, we must defeat them by other means than full frontal attacking warfare. Starscream spoke up. Ever since we have been fighting them, I have been saying that we should rely more on guile and speed rather than brute force, have I not? The Decepticons agreed which made Megatron even more angry, because he knew it was true. But Rumble, 
always anxious to be in favor with Megatron, commented, It's all very well saying these things, Starscream, but action over the matter would be more advantageous than talk. Espionage! It was Ravage speaking. Espionage is the best way to do it. If we could lull them into a false sense of security, find out what their plans are, we could surely destroy them with ease. Megatron turned to him. Continue! He commanded. Ravage did his order. If one of us could infiltrate their ranks, gain their trust and confidence, and then keep us informed of all their plans, it would be simple. Rumble said, That's all very well, but how and who? Starscream spoke up quickly. I will tell you how, and I will tell you who. We're listening, said Soundwave. Go on, we're listening. Starscream, fully committed now, and conceited as ever, said, Who? Me. How? By my going to the Autobots, telling them I am no longer willing to serve under Megatron and wish to join their forces. There was silence for a moment. They all knew there was a degree of truth in this, as Starscream's greatest wish was to replace Megatron as leader. But they also knew of his cold-blooded hatred of the Autobots, and that he would be willing to practice any deception, no matter how underhanded, to conquer them. His motto, Conquest is made of the ashes of one's enemies, bore this out. Megatron spoke first. Right, Starscream. That's how we will do it. Now let us discuss details of the plan. So the Decepticon leaders gathered together and talked for a long time of how Starscream would communicate any information he gained back to them and how they would get in touch with him and what his cover story would be to gain the Autobots' confidence and many, many other matters relating to the deception. It was with some surprise that Cosmos on guard at the Ark a few days later, heard a signal from Starscream, asking if he could have an interview with Optimus Prime and the Autobot leaders. When he reported this, they could hardly believe their hearing. Are you sure you didn't make a mistake? Ron asked Cosmos. Of course I didn't, replied Cosmos. It was definitely Starscream. Optimus Prime interrupted. All right. Signal back that we will see him, but everybody must be on their guard. We all know the craftiness of this particular character. So Cosmos returned Starscream's signal and guided him into the Ark area of Mount St. Hilary. At the entrance to the Ark, six Autobots were waiting to take him inside. They were all very alert and ready for the slightest false move on the part of the well-known Decepticon Air Commander. They took him to Optimus Prime, who was waiting with several other Autobot commanders and leaders. Starscream stood facing them. Optimus Prime spoke first. Do you come with a message from your treacherous leader, Megatron, O Decepticon? No, Optimus Prime, Starscream replied firmly. I do not come with a message from him. I come with a message from myself, to you only. Seeing the puzzled looks from the Autobots, he continued, You described Megatron just now as a treacherous leader. You are correct. He is treacherous. I have discovered certain facts about him that have made me lose all confidence in his integrity and ability to lead the race of Decepticons. I realize now that only if the Autobots win our war will there ever be peace in Cybertron. Optimus Prime was silent for a while. And then, what has he done to make you take such a drastic change in opinion? I have discovered that he has been plotting to conquer you Autobots, enslave as many Earth people as he can, and take them back to Cybertron as slaves. 
But even more treacherous from my point of view is that he has arranged that when the time comes to return to Cybertron, he will destroy those of us among the Decepticons who will not follow his orders to the letter and dare to disagree with some of his objectives. And I am at the top of his list to be exterminated. Starscream finished his story and looked around. The Autobots were listening intently. Starscream could see the inside of the Ark for the first time and was impressed with the amount of repairs that had been done. He thought to himself how important it was now for his fellow Decepticons to conquer these Autobots. Finally, Optimus Prime spoke up. We hear your story, Starscream, and would like to discuss it further. I shall call a meeting of my fellow commanders here and come back to you with our views. Then he called a number of his senior Autobots and retired to a distant private chamber in the Ark, leaving Starscream under the guard of six Autobot warriors. Once inside the chamber, Optimus Prime asked, Well, what do you think? <laughs> what do you all think of this story right now? This actually seems like a good story. It's like true to the characters. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty shocked. The last story was more like a... Uh, just traditional prose with a lot of uh, descriptive it was up, like, imagery. <laughs> I think the last one was they talked for half the episode before doing anything. Yeah, but then they described a lot of stuff like with the just the environment and the atmosphere and setting the scene, yeah. but there wasn't much action at all. Just the way that he said Starscream has an interview, I just imagined Starscream pulling out a resume going, ah, Optimus, I wish to join your ranks. Here is my resume. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, hmm, what references do you have? It's like, well, I've killed a lot of your comrades pretty quickly throughout the war. <laughs> <laughs> that whole dynamic is kind of weird anyway. With Starscream basically saying that he's coming to you guys because he's He's being targeted. Well, he he talks about you know humanity becoming enslaved or whatever, but he immediately pivots to well, Megatron's going to kill me for disobeying. It's not really making himself out to be like trustworthy. It's more like you're just trying to save yourself. Yeah, but it does indicate that you know they probably wouldn't believe Starscream if he was trying to say, oh, he's going to infect Cybertron with all these Earth creatures. They have to make it about him to make the story believable because they already know his personality. Actually, yeah, that is fair. I just remember the beginning was so funny. I just imagined Megatron sitting around going, ah, putting on some glasses and going, today's Decepticon budget meeting. Shockwave, how much funding do we have for the rest of this month? And then Shockwave's on a keyboard going, oh, let me see, Megatron. We have enough for six attacks on power plants this month. <laughs> uh, but yeah. is this the first time <laughs> that we've done a recording and we've heard the name Cosmos? Yes, I he, think so. He is a season two Autobot. I'm surprised he's here. Yeah, it's like one of our books we looked at had a season two Autobot in it two months before, just randomly. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like they must have gotten some of the stuff early for who was going to show up in season two or at least like a month or two before season two aired or something. Yeah, I was kind of confused at first. The way that the guy was pronouncing made me think it was Cosmos, like K-A-S-M-A-S. No, it's Cosmos. Oh, it's, it's Cosmos. Yeah. He turned into a flying saucer. 
Because when you say robot in disguise, you say, take a vehicle that even humans would know should not be here. So is he replacing, what's his face? Uh, What is his name? The big shuttle guy. No, uh, God, I thought of a space shuttle, but, oh, Jetfire slash... Jetfire, Starfire, Starfire. Yeah, Jetfire. They, they wrote him out, so he doesn't show up in season two because of the whole lawsuit stuff. Okay, so he's replaced by this guy, essentially. Yeah, I think Skyfire's last episode was one or two of the episodes we saw previously uh, slash in the future since it's like four episodes from now, even though we already recorded it. <laughs> uh, lawsuit, was he uh, supposedly a character in another franchise? Yeah, uh... Because Skyfire was his character model came from uh, that one anime series the that Robotech used. So Robotech Macro- came to yeah Macross I think Macross. So Robotech comes to America and they make all these action figures. But the one action figure they can't make is the design that looks like Skyfire because Hasbro had already gotten the rights to release him in america as a figure before they knew this company would pick up the show and also it's a competing company so they just thought it'd be easier to write him out as well i think uh after this first after the first season oh weird yeah it's a lot more complicated than that we talked about it early on in our skyfire like character spotlight a long time ago oh okay yeah so yeah i'll have to have you listen to our early Sparkcast episode because i've forgotten all about it now and uh yeah, that seems kind of important. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> yeah, Cosmos turns into a UFO, and he's an Autobot. Do you guys want to continue with the story? Yeah, yep. let's go for Great. it. Once inside the chamber, Optimus Prime asked, Well, what do you think? Windcharger was first to answer. If he genuinely has turned against his fellow Decepticons, and particularly his leader, he will have information which could be very useful to us. Sunstreaker chipped in. Yes, and he has considerable experience. Don't forget, he was their air commander and is their fastest flyer. Huffer grumbled quietly. Yes, and is one of their most ruthless, cold-blooded villains. I don't want anything to do with him. Jazz agreed. He's not my style, not my style at all. Even if he has changed his ideas, he's not my style at all. Optimus Prime looked at Bumblebee. What do you think? Bumblebee just shook his head and commented, I don't like it. And you, Prowl? went on Optimus Prime. What do you say? Prowl was silent for a moment, then... Starscream, I believe, dislikes his leader. Every robot from Cybertron knows that it is his ambition to be the Decepticon leader himself. But they also know that he hates us. All his life he has proved that over and over again. I don't trust him. I don't believe him. Jazz chipped in. The Earth people have a saying that uh, a leopard never changes his spots, Huffer muttered. I don't know what a leopard is, so I don't get that. Optimus Prime said, let's take a vote. All those who say they trust and believe Starscream say yes. He waited. There was complete silence. That settled them, Optimus decided. Now, what do we do with him? Prowl spoke up. I guess he is here as a spy. He wants to gain our confidence, then report back to the enemy. He will obviously try to lure us into a trap. Optimus added, Yep, so I guess we play along with him. 
Let him think we believe his story. He paused, then added, Even better, let's play him at his own game and invent a false plan that he can send back to the Decepticons and mislead them. And so it was agreed. They all returned to the main part of the Ark, where Starscream was still under the guard of the six Autobots. Optimus signaled to them. It's all right. We believe his story. You can relax now and leave him. Starscream heaved a sigh of relief. Thank you, Optimus Prime, O oh, great leader of the Autobots. I am here to obey your commands from henceforth. Optimus could hardly conceal a shudder of disgust, but said, Well, Starscream, you have decided rightly to come over to us. Jazz will show you to your quarters. And as Jazz led the treacherous Decepticon away, Optimus Prime called all the group leaders of the Autobots and told them quickly of their plans, and within moments every Autobot was aware of what was happening. In the privacy of his new quarters, Starscream stood looking into a long mirror and admired himself. He even spoke to himself. You are a born leader, Starscream. Not only handsome, but clever. And that idiot, Optimus Prime, and his equally foolish Autobot followers have swallowed my story hook, line, and sinker. Soon the fun will start. And when the Decepticons have conquered these fools, it will be realized that I, Starscream, was the main factor in the victory. And who knows what honors I will gain when we eventually return to Cybertron. Then he very carefully made sure that he was not observed or overheard in any way, and took out the midget high-powered radio transmitter, which Soundwave had prepared for him. In code, he beamed on the direct frequency. First mission accomplished. And in Decepticon headquarters, they all gloated at the stupidity of the Autobots. And even Megatron was forced to admit, although reluctantly, that Starscream was doing a first-class job of espionage. But Optimus Prime and his team of commanders had no doubts about his deception. They also surmised that, in some way, he was in radio contact with his own race. But this suited them, because when a suitable moment arrived, they would exploit this for their own purposes. Starscream himself became more and more confident about his position each day and despised the Autobots for what he believed was their crass stupidity. One day, Optimus Prime called his commanders and Starscream together. He sounded serious. The time has come for us to change our strategy where the war against the Decepticons is concerned. For some time, Prowl and I have been concerned that the Ark here is more vulnerable to attack than we would wish. And as you all know, the new deuterium orbital laser tracing system is stored here, and a severe barrage from our enemy could do untold damage. Starscream was intrigued. And uh, what can this weapon do? he asked. Do, replied Jazz. Do? Only trace any Decepticon warrior, transformed or not, and destroyed within seconds, no matter where? It's the ultimate weapon, Bumblebee added. The end of the Decepticons. Unable to contain his quest for further information, Starscream demanded, Where is it? What does it look like? Optimus looked across at Sideswipe. Show him, he commanded. Sideswipe fetched a metal box some three meters long and two meters wide. It's in there, he gave it to Starscream, who tried to open it. It's locked, he commented with disappointment. Of course it is, Optimus Prime said, taking it from him. It's not yet quite ready for actual action. Another week's work and your old master and his race will be finished. Prowl interrupted. 
We've talked enough about D-O-L-T-S, but I am worried that it's still here in the Ark and could be damaged. We must get it to a secret hideaway while we finish the last few details on it. Where do you suggest? Huffer asked. Optimus Prime looked tense. We have decided to place it in the cave at Mount Leverum. It's remote, secure, and the Decepticons have no idea at all that we are using it. They could blast the Ark apart, but the D-O-L-T-S would still be safely tucked away in the cave at Leverum. The Autobots went back to routine duties, and Starscream hurried back to his quarters. Once there, he excitedly made radio contact with the Decepticon headquarters at the fortress. He reported everything the Autobots had told him, and underlined the absolute necessity to destroy the new weapon. Of course, he also gave detailed instructions of how it would be in the cave at Mount Leverum. When Megatron received the message from Starscream, he held an immediate council of war. Tomorrow we attack that cave, he snapped. We attack with every single weapon we have. Every warrior without exception will be fully armed, and we shall completely destroy Mount Leverum, the cave and every single thing within it, he laughed. The Autobots will get a shock when they find their wonderful new Decepticon destroyer has been destroyed by the Decepticons themselves. Ravage inquired, What will happen to Starscream? Megatron answered with a cruel expression, I have no doubt that Starscream can look after his own interests. Inform him that we shall attack the cave at 1300 hours tomorrow, and if he has any sense, he'll come back quickly, or else the Autobots may not treat him with kindness. It's up to him. Of course, the moment Starscream received the message, he prepared for his escape. But while all this was going on, Bumblebee, under strict secrecy, was keeping a close watch on Decepticon headquarters. When he saw the sudden activity, it confirmed that Starscream had reported the DOLTS move to the cave at Mount Leverin, and that a major attack on it was being prepared. He reported to Optimus by direct radio link. All right, so what do you guys think is going to happen? D-O-L-T-S? Dolt? Decepticon Obliteration? <laughs> That's, but it like, spells Dolts? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was like, how, how stupid are the Decepticons that they just immediately think the Autobots have made a machine that can target the Decepticons no matter where they are at any time on Earth? With some satellite. I'm like, uh, guys, come on. Even you <laughs> must have science fiction on your planet. Uh, well, I guess it's not super far-fetched, because somehow they can access the whole network of power in the world, like even your hmm. cell phone charger. <laughs> uh, so, go go figure, okay. <laughs> Omniscient power. <laughs> oh, I forgot one thing that was odd earlier is... When Starscream is coming to them, not a single person wants to give them a real chance to try to do good. They're like, yeah, we don't trust him at all. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I, was, I was like, oh, okay. Let's have a vote of whether anyone trusts Starscream and thinks his story is true. A lone <laughs> cricket drones from the valley outside. <laughs> or maybe they should have a better plan, like... Megatran comes and demands they give him to him because he's a traitor or something. Make him more of a show out of it or something. I don't know. Or not use Starscream because, you know, nobody trusts Starscream no matter what universe you're in. I'm uh, not understanding. How many days has Starscream been there? (laughs) They kept talking about it like many days past. (laughs) Yeah. 
and he's like doing his daily affirmations in the Autobots mirror. Why do they have a mirror anyway? I don't know. Maybe it's just well, he's like, he's like, let me help in your meetings, Optimus. I used to be the treasurer of the Decepticons. Let me help appropriate your funds. You look like a capable leader. You can do this. You got this, Starscream. <laughs> I also was like, why are you talking to yourself in the Autobot base, you idiot? They could have bugs in the room. You need to be putting on an act. Come on, dude. But <laughs> Thomas, any comments for now? Any predictions? Is this going to be the mountain blows up and all the Decepticons are gone for good? Gone for good? No, no. no. Uh, they didn't plant a hydrogen bomb inside for when they go inside? I'm trying to figure out what I think might happen. If there's going to be something interesting besides they just blow up a mountain and nothing. It's just dust. It's just like, oh, we lost. See you next week. Or they'll just, there's not going to be really mentioned much. They'll just uh, get some kind of like warning or message from the base saying that the base is under attack and they get back too late or something. <laughs> it's just reminded me of when the Decepticons and our other audio story uh, are like, hmm, what's this thing called? A lightning rod slash antenna. And they go into the mountain and all get electrocuted by themselves without the Autobots doing anything. Do you guys remember that story? Yep. I remember that one. Okay. Anyway, we will continue to the end. He reported to Optimus by direct radio link. Then Optimus called 12 of his warriors around him and sent for Starscream. The crafty Decepticon arrived confidently and still inwardly sneering at the stupidity of his enemies. He asked, You sent for me, Optimus Prime? Optimus spoke very quietly. Yes, Starscream. If you look around you, you will see that you are completely fire-covered by twelve of my warriors. If you as much as move a joint or a limb, you will be obliterated by them in a split second. Starscream could not control his astonishment. Why? he stammered. You know I am your friend. I... Optimus stopped him. Friend? Did you honestly think we believed you? Did you really think we were that stupid? And while the Decepticon was trying to recover from the shock, Optimus continued... Excuse me one moment. Right, everybody. Full action stations. Then he turned back to Starscream. Now, what were you saying, Starscream? But Starscream was speechless. He watched, fascinated, as every Autobot except the twelve guarding him went to action stations. Eventually he muttered, Oh, what's happening? Jazz, who was checking up on his photon rifle, answered him. When your friends attack the cave at Mount Leverum, as they obviously will, following your information... We shall have a little go at your Fortress HQ while it's unguarded. But what about the D-O-L-T-S? shouted Starscream. It will be destroyed too, you idiots! Optimus was just about to reply when Sideswipe rushed in. Message from Bubblebee. Decepticons all gone in direction of Mount Leverum. Optimus ordered, Right, everybody, let's go! So the two great Transformer forces moved, but in opposite directions. The Decepticons unleashed all their firepower at Mount Leverum. Skywarp's heat-seeking missiles, Megatron's own nuclear-charged fusion cannon, Ravage's proton bombs, Laserbeak's laser cannons, and so on and on, each Decepticon blasting and shooting until the mountain all but disappeared. Triumphantly, they returned to their fortress HQ. But the sight that greeted them there shook them to every nut and bolt. 
the Autobot force had bombed and destroyed the whole exterior of their fortress. The combined firepower of Jazz, Sideswipe, Optimus Prime, Sunstreaker, and all the others had wreaked utter havoc. It was obvious to every returning Decepticon that they had been outmaneuvered, and that it would take a very long time to repair their HQ, and even longer before they could become an effective force again, capable of challenging the Autobots. As they landed by the burning ruins of their fortress exterior, Megatron was beside himself with anger. We've been tricked, he stormed. Tricked by those accursed Autobots. And I shouldn't wonder if this isn't the fault of that conceited idiot Starscream and his messages. After a pause, Skywarp said quietly, But we must have destroyed the new D.O.L.T.S. weapon that Starscream reported was in the cave at Mount Leverum. But Megatron just gave him a long, hard look, transformed, and walked towards the ruins. When the Autobots returned from their raid on Decepticon HQ and reported in and assessed the damage they had done, they were well pleased. Optimus Prime said, I don't think we shall have any bother with the Decepticons for a while. Now we can quietly get on with our work here at the Ark, perhaps the sooner to return to Cybertron. Then he added, Send for that fool, Starscream. The guards brought Starscream before him and his fellow Autobots, a very subdued Starscream, who had just been told what had happened. Gears broke the silence. Are we going to keep him prisoner, Optimus? No, replied the leader. Let him go back to the Decepticons. That will be even more unpleasant for him, when they realize what idiots he has made of them. Starscream was obviously shaken at the prospect, but managed to sneer, And what about your new deuterium orbital laser tracing system? They got that, didn't they, you fools? Every Autobot fell about laughing. Eventually Jazz said, And you believed all that? There never was such a weapon. And before you ask... That box we showed you was empty, apart from a few spare motor parts. Now off you go to Megatron and explain everything. And as a dejected, humiliated, even somewhat scared Starscream left the Ark, Optimus Prime called to him. Hey, you, Starscream! Not only was there never such a weapon as a D-O-L-T-S, but did you know that the Earth people have a word spelt that way? Dolts means a bunch of idiots or fools. We named it after the Decepticons. Good luck, Starscream. Give our regards to Megatron. <laughs> if you're still alive to do so. <laughs> that wasn't very honorable. <laughs> Actually, just, I really... he's already just on his way back home. He's not gonna get a very warm welcome. In oh, no. He's just gonna arrive. They're gonna be like, "Stop scream! What did you do?" He's like, "It wasn't me. It was these the accursed Autobots." Is how he'll say it. And then Megatron will just turn into a gun and have Soundwave shoot him. Or what I found weird is. Megatron was flying as a gun the whole time from the mountain to the base and talking while in gun form at the end. Yeah, that sounded. Yeah, I was thinking that sounded kind of weird because it said that um, he transformed and walked away. I was like, oh, he wasn't already in his normal form. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. All the other Transformers, they can talk while they're in their vehicle forms, but I don't think I've ever heard Megatron talk while in his gun form. 
or Galvatron talk when he's in his cannon form. That that just looks too stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When they change that form, it's like either to disguise themselves or immediately they're shooting something. I mean, talking cars or something that are it's believable in the human world. I mean, there's Kit, the talking car. There's Herbie, the love bug. You know, it's like, but talking guns, nah. <laughs> that really uh, awful cartoon where the kid turns into a car because he got struck by lightning or something. Oh, I don't remember what that was. <laughs> yeah, apparently it only lasted a year. It was it was a failure. <laughs> the uh, is it Teen Car? I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say was a Teen, teen car. Wolf for some reason. It, that reminds me of Teen Wolf, but did I Viper, do remember what a, that. What about Viper, Speed Buggy? Why are, we, why are we just going to go past that? Are you talking about that <laughs> Speed Buggy true. cartoon from the 60s or the 50s that got the ghost? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Oh, God. <laughs> that was terrible. That was a terrible yeah. show. Okay. And, so, and what we about a lot of talking cars here. What, what, yeah. about, did, what about Lightning McQueen? It's something modern for the kids out yeah. there. Did Viper talk? There was a syndicated 90s show called Viper that was like some supercar. Did that car talk? Oh, I got to find that out. It seems like... It used to always come on like before the show I'd watch, so I'd always catch the end of it, and I don't remember anything about it. I don't... I don't... I don't, I don't recall that. Well, ooh, there it is. There's a Viper okay. car alarm system. <laughs> Yeah, I know, because I always saw that snake try to bite people, but I think this show came out before that. An urban assault vehicle that masquerades as a Dodge Viper that takes place in the near future. Uh, It doesn't talk, it's just a supercar by the people. The show was renamed Cobra after the actual Viper car company sued them. Awesome. More lawsuit fun associated somehow through Transformers talk. Somehow that lasted four years. You know, I was pretty surprised that they just went all the way with it. I, you know, I figured they would blow up the mountain and pretty much level it. Um, yeah, I thought they were going to go in. I didn't and... expect that they wouldn't get a chance to defend their base. Like, it was just wiped out. <laughs> yeah. Autobots just made them homeless. <laughs> now they have to build their base up. And they're like, well, now we don't have to worry about the Decepticons for a few Weeks, months, however long. I don't think they sleep, so they could just be working on the base the whole time. So, but yeah, I really like the story, though. What did you guys? Uh, what did you guys think of it? That was uh, a true to Transformers story. <laughs> I can't say so much for the others that we heard, but that, um, yeah. I mean, I like that they played around with the character dynamics that we already know. I mean, we already know about. Star scream trying to take over, and his usual antics with uh, his wacky plans that backfire. And yeah, I think it's a pretty decent story that could easily translate into a cartoon. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably one of the worst because Optimus called Star Scream adult. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I like how they reiterated at the end deuterium orbital. Tracing system, dolts. Answer. You know, yeah. I forgot when I first heard. I was like, "Oh my god, Wind Charger has a line." But then I realized he's actually been in the last two books too. But maybe only he got one line each story. I mean, not books, audio cassettes. That is weird because he's like never used like ever in the show. So <laughs> it's like one of those Transformers that the storybooks tend to like show him sometimes. 
or other things show him working with everybody more than the actual TV show does. That's a way to play it play it safe character wise because if you use a character that no one ever sees you can't say oh you got him so wrong because he never has any lines anyway i wonder if in season two when charger just vanishes entirely or if he actually shows up because i know they still keep all the season one uh decepticons autobots there interacting with the new ones but i don't know if there's going to be some forgotten ones now (sighs) we'll see so charlie you like the story it was it was pretty decent yeah thomas though uh real talk though hold on Um, let me uh let me post a video on youtube and say we need to talk about transformers espionage audio cassette because that'll get that'll get the views it was just okay it was fine (laughs) i I I mean because it was not really a Evil plot in the first place, and then they immediately just have the Autobots say, "Yeah, we would never fall for this star screen." I mean, you want to be more gullible, just be like, "Well, sometimes we gotta just, you know, take things at face value. Sometimes we should give people a chance." Well, no, you don't have to go that far. You can actually put some <laughs> effort in and like come up with a reason why they would have to work together reluctantly or something. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, I'll create a third enemy that doesn't really exist. The slavery of uh, Autobots and humanity, is it enough? <laughs> but yeah, I actually, I think I snickered or laughed a lot during this the second half of the video with all the stupid things that Starscream or the other characters would do. <laughs> Sad thing is, we are not sure who actually wrote this because there is no credits on the cassette tape. The only thing you could look at is the cassette tape. Uh, it'd be easy to search on Amazon. Just type in S Pionage exclamation one two three four five. Yeah, let's see if it happens. No, oh, it doesn't find it. You didn't type in enough exclamation points. Espionage. Yeah, all I get is I don't know what the Batman or the Born Identity have to do with this, but all right, play school Transformers. No, not gonna show up. Play school Transformers. Yeah, I know. So, does that exist? <laughs> yeah, it does for the smaller kids. Like, Charlie, you, are they like Duplos? Are they like supersized pieces? Yeah, I think they're just bigger and less like transformy. Or if they are, they're smaller. I do know they make other ones that don't transform for younger kids. No choking hazards. Gun that's bigger than your mouth, so you can't accidentally eat it. My first transformer. <laughs> My first war. Charlie, have you ever seen Transformers Armada? Um, no, I have not. Okay. In that one, that came out in 2002, I think, or 2003. That was when, for the first time, I, I know the previous year, 2000, I think, one, Hasbro made a new Transformers for the first time. Because Beast Wars was, you know, still considered a sequel. But they made... Robots in Disguise one year, which is the one with the shark poet guy that Thomas likes. That was only a year filler, though, because then they decided to make Transformers Armada, which was part one of a three-part trilogy of shows. But in Armada, Starscream actually does defect to the Autobots. And he defects for real. Like, it's because Megatron uses him as a sacrifice to get some super weapon and he accomplishes it but 
Starscream feels betrayed because his basically his his leader left him to die just so he could accomplish the mission. Starscream was basically used to lure the Autobots somewhere where they would then kill him because he wouldn't have stood a chance. So that's why, like, afterwards, he just defects to the Autobots because he's like, I can't trust my leader anymore. Just can't see Starscream. I can't see him spending a whole bunch of time with um, bots. That, that just would be so awkward, well, unless both of his legs were missing or something. He's just, like, well, waiting to get repaired. <laughs> well, this version of Starscream isn't actually a schemer. He, uh... Oh. He actually is uh, somebody who's just a very good second in command and like good with a sword and uh, and flying and all that. And they kind of hint that he's better at weapons than Megatron is, so that he That's could Starscream at all. So they they kind of hint that he could potentially be a better leader than Megatron just because he's so good at it. So they change his personality a little in that one. Yeah, that's and, been rewritten. Entirely. But it actually is a good one. I actually liked his personality because he's the only one in the whole series, all 50 episodes, that actually has a real personality and a character arc. Like, I Be think honest. I'm... As a kid, I kind of did sympathize with him for some reason. <laughs> and I did want him to, to take Megatron's place. <laughs> yeah. You should, if you feel like it, watch Transformers Armada sometime and see if you like that version of Starscream. So go watch it. Did we ever talk about the narrator or the voice guy? The voice. I think we've brought him up before, but that's him making all the voices, right? Yes. Yeah. So he is pretty good at making different voices, though. Even okay, they're close to the Autobots, I think, enough to be believable. But the fact that he can do so many different voices. He actually is good at doing different voices. He has done 22 voices across the series. How do you know that? I'm looking at his page. His name is Peter Marinker. How did you find that out? I was looking into trying to figure out who put out the Battle for Earth series. So I guess these set of books are called Battle for Earth. So there's yeah. four audio cassettes that are included in this set. The guy who does the, the voice acting and all the characters is Peter Marinker. So I was looking him up. I was looking at some of the other roles that he did. He was... Uh, oh, he does freaking Unicron in the Goto, uh, later books. Kichi Goto and Pat Labor. Who? He was uh, Charlie's favorite character, Dr. Ichihara from Angel Cop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I haven't even watched Angel Cop yet. Thanks for wait, spoiling it. Wait, who is, he in, uh, who is he in Pat Labor? Ichi Goto? I don't know how to pronounce that. Keichi, probably. K- yeah. It wasn't oh, an E, so I didn't know. Oh my god, he's K-I-I. the the commander. Of yeah, the, the commander. Two. Yeah, the the stern guy. Yeah, the guy who who always appears aloof, but really actually knows what's going on and knows how to get things done. Yeah, and he actually does some voices in some of the other Lady Bird series of books. So, okay, yeah, I can't remember. Up. if He's we... actually good. It seems like he's pretty good. Oh no, his website doesn't exist anymore. He's more known for his audio cassette. On BBC Radio. Uh, what other audio cassettes has he done? Does it say? I'm looking at his IMDb page right now, but I was okay. the, But that the link to the IMDb was on the TF Wiki page. Yeah. But Any yeah, other he's stuff in a we lot know? Of stuff that that people would know. Old King Allen and Demon Souls. You guys might not know that, but people will know that one. Mm-hmm. He was in, called Anno 1800. People know that one. Um, he was in Xenoblade Chronicles. So these and are he's the narrator in all the Witcher games. The Unseen Elder, yep. Stan Lee's yeah. Lucky Man, who's in that. Yeah. 
So yeah, it seems like he does a lot of video game stuff. And oh, he was actually games. he was actually in the Judge Dredd movie from 1995. He was one of the judges. And Why? he was in Event Horizon. Why are all these random people always associated with the Judge Dredd movie? What is <laughs> everybody hates what? Judge Dredd? Oh, I know, I know now. That's why I heard his voice. He's in Doomed Megalopolis and Heroic Legend of Arslan. Because I watched Doomed Megalopolis growing up, and that's how I recognized his voice from Pat Labor too uh, earlier. He does the voice for Goblin in Labyrinth. Does that mean there's two? <laughs> oh my god! Does that mean there's two dubs for Doomed Megalopolis? Now I have to go see if my Blu-ray has both, or if I have to go look up both and see if there's two. Like the way Pat Labor had a UK English dub and an American English dub. Because he does City. English versions too. Like there he is in Sword of Truth, the actual English version. They specifically say UK dub for a few of these anime. So there's some anime that has two separate dubs based on the country. He's General McKenzie in Golf Force. Oh, huh. The UK dub, though. Oh, huh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I. I don't even know if that's possible to obtain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Dominion. The Megazone 2 3, uh, the third one. I actually watched that first one, Megazone yeah, 2 3 1. That's all I, I've only seen the first one. I don't know if I'm going to watch the other two. He's in Dominion Tank Police as well. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, there's a, whole, there's a whole list of anime for a decade where he just actually isn't a lot of anime from the late 80s to the mid 90s. And check then he your, goes over uh, in video games. Check your uh, Central Park Media VHS tapes. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I'm just like, oh, how much anime now does have so many? Because I remember when I got Dirty Pair, it did come. They got the rights, and they were able to release it with both the UK dub and the American dub. Oh, my goodness. But he most of the time, they aren't able to do that. I've, I've never seen <laughs> I've I've seen very few UK dubs, period. I didn't even know how many existed out there. I just thought they were very rare. I got yeah. well I had to get two because I had to get one for there's two separate dubs for Area 88 that way that I had to get uh because only the first one was on my DVD and then, then they redubbed it for America because they had used the UK version back in the day and decided to just redub it with an American version when they the TV series came out a decade later. And then the Pat Labor, just because I really loved Pat Labor. Since I was watching the movies again, I was like, I've never seen these UK dubs. All right, we have gone fully off the rails. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. <laughs> yeah, and so we'll probably hear his voice as a Transformer in future ones, but I don't know if he is the narrator for... He was the narrator for all of the Lady Bird books, except Autobot's Lightning Strike. Okay. When were they published? Well, we'll find out. One of them is our next episode, so we'll see if he's narrating again. <laughs> he's <laughs> going to be narrating come as with, using his ravaged voice. That one will come with pictures. So, All right. I like the pictures. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. This is Sean. Charlie. Thomas. Sparkcast is a free podcast. If you'd like to help out the show, you can donate to the Patreon for GeekAid at G-E-E-K-A-D-E. You can also check out my personal Patreon at Realms of Flux. R-E-A-L-M-S 
O-F-F-L-U-X.